Okay, let's get started with Parsha Shmini Tov Shin Ayintes, as we have a unique opportunity to have Shmini a few weeks before Pesach this year. Uh, this Shabbos is Parsha's Para, but we're going to focus on the Parsha. And next week, Be'ezus Hashem, there'll be a Parsha Shir, and I think the following week will be the Haggadah Shir, Be'ezus Hashem in, uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, but tonight we have Parsha Shmini, all about uh, finishing up the Miluim, and then we have uh, Nadav and Avihu, as we know, the tragic story, and then we have the halachas of the uh, kosher and not kosher, as we'll see, as we get into the tumavatahara part of the of the sefer, going from really karbanos, which is vayikritzav and shmini, are really karbanos, and the end of shmini, as we will talk about, gets into tumavatahara, right, hechshel akabotuma, and we get into azriya mitzora, which are hardcore halachos of Tum of Okay, so we'll start off with the, the beginning. Torah describes the eighth day of the Miluim, as we know, the end of the previous parsha, the Kohanim were told they need to stay in the Oel Moed for a week. All seven days they weren't allowed to leave, as the la- second to last Pasuk said last week, Stay there, seven days. Right? We discussed last week Rabbi Lamb's thought about uh, looking in, looking out, compared to the Kohen Gadol. And you shall guard the Mishmaras of Hashem. So stay there for a week. And now we have our parasha, on the eighth day after the Kohanim stayed for a week, Kara Moshe La'aron Ulevanav Ulezikna Yisrael. Moshe calls to Aaron, to his sons, and to the Zikna Yisrael. And he tells Aaron the following instructions. And the first question we may ask is, what were the Zikna Yisrael doing there? They weren't spoken to. It was the eighth day, Moshe calls to Aaron, the Banav, and the Zikna Yisrael, and then he talks to Aaron. So the Zikna Yisrael were just standing there. Moshe called them to have an audience, to watch him talk to Aaron. What was the purpose of the Zikna Yisrael? Rashi. Yisrael. Again, Rashi is bothered. Moshe wanted them to see that what he's saying is in the name of Hashem. Aaron didn't go in by himself. Aaron didn't go in by himself. Maybe they also, as we've mentioned in the past, Aaron always had a somewhat of a, a, a lack of security about you know his position in Chayta Egel. See, so always think, maybe I'm not Roy, maybe I'm not worthy, so maybe other people also. No, this is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem says, this is what you have to do, and they have to witness. But maybe there's another idea as well for the, for the Zikna Yisrael. But that's what Rashi says. Let's go back for a minute. Next Pasuk, right before we see the, um, the Medrash. The next Pasuk says, what is Aaron told to do? Take an Egel, take an Ayel, Why an Egel? Rashi, because this Chet Egel helps be Mechaper for, for the, um, for the, this Egel is Mechaper for the Egel Hazav. If you look in the source number one, the Ber Yosef quotes the Sifra, also quoted in the Ramban. Right, why? What, what was exactly was the message of this? Ella Amar Lahem Atem Yesh Biedchem Tchila VeYesh Biedchem Sof. What happens? He said to them, to Bnei Yisrael, "You have something at the beginning. You have something at the end. Yesh Biedchem Tchila VaYishchatu Seir Izim by Yosef. VaYesh Biedchem Sof Asulam Ego Masecha." Yavo seir izim v'yachaper al ma'isa izim. Yavo egel v'yachaper al ma'isa ha'egel. The Medrash here somehow is connecting the miluim not just to the egel, but all the way back to Yosef Atzadik and Mechiris Yosef. And that's why we have in our pasuk we have an egel and also the next pasuk kuchus seir izim lachatas the egel v'chelav reishat tzimim laola. What's the connection between the Miluim and the Egel and Mechiras Yosef? So says the Bear Yosef, V'yesh lahavin bazeh. Let Lama, first the question we asked before, Lama karachshav lezikne Yisrael, what are they doing there? Kivish lo tziva osam bakan, v'lo dibar imam shum davar. So Rashi quotes, fine, but, you know, maybe there's something deeper here. And then there's another Medrash, besides the second question. Question one, what are the Zikne Yisrael doing? Question two, what... Uh, is the connection to Mechiris Yosef. Question three, there's another Medrash on our Pasuk. Life teen. Amar Rebbe Akiva, Nimshalu Yisrael La'of. 
B'nei Yisrael are compared to birds. Just like a bird cannot fly without wings, if you ever see a, bro- a bird with a broken wing, he will not last so long. He can, not only can't fly, he can't exist. So just like B'nei Yisrael cannot fly or exist even without wings, Kach Yisrael in Yecholim Lasos Davar Chutz Miziknehem. What are the Ziknei Yisrael doing here? Because B'nei Yisrael cannot exist without the Ziknei Yisrael. So again, we ask, what exactly is the Ziknei Yisrael doing here? It's a beautiful message. We need our leaders. We need our Rabbanim. But why is that Dafka Darshan on this Pasuk? So what exactly is the message? He quotes a couple of other questions. He has the Mechiris Yosef question, as we just uh, mentioned. Look on line 28. Aaron was a child, right? Descendant of Levi. And Levi also took part in Mechiris Yosef. But that conversation was that Aaron is telling them, you have a problem betchila and basof. I only have a problem betchila. I didn't take part in Mechiris Yosef. He did take part in Mechiris Yosef. His shevet. So what exactly is he saying that he doesn't have that problem? What exactly, how do we understand all of these midrashim and the message? Bottom right. V'efshar levaer bazeh. Let me explain. We've discussed at length the Rishonim, the Achronim, Kisisa. What exactly was the root of the Cheta Egel? At root, according to most Mafarshim, it wasn't really Avodazara. They weren't really, they didn't decide to worship. That's not exactly what their Kavana was. This Egel that was just made by their gold. Did he really believe in that? Was it really Avodah Zarah? And after all, we know that by the fact that the punishment was only for a couple thousand, right? Most Jews were not punished, right? So why? So it wasn't really Avodah Zarah. So what exactly was it? What was the chait? The chait was that they thought that they needed to do something. They thought they needed a substitute Moshe Rabbeinu. They thought they needed another intermediary. All the different shatim that are given. Middle of the next column. They had good kavanas, whatever their kavana was. They had kavana for spiritual heights. They had kavana for a substitute for Moshe. What was their problem? They didn't ask. Quoting the Kuzari that he just quoted up above. The root of the chait was, you can have all the kavanas in the world, but if you don't ask the leaders, if you don't ask your leaders what to do, you make your own decisions in terms of ruchnius. Right? We're not talking about the post, uh, 100, past 100 years, the, what's known as, you know, das Torah. However, you understand that we had a shear about that a couple of years ago. But this is about Ruchnius. How do I get close to Hashem? I'm making my own decisions about getting close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That Lekuliyama is Dastora, as we would call. How do I get close to Hashem? I have to ask my, my clergy. I have to ask my religious leader. They had two great people they could have asked. Aaron and Chur were there. Chur stood up and tried to talk to them, and he was killed. Aaron saw it. It wasn't going to work if he stands up. What was the root chait? in this perspective of the Chet Ega, whatever the Chavira was. But if you would have asked, we could have given you a little more guidance. When Moshe went up, he told them. Moshe told them. If you have any questions, ask them. They would never have come to such a sin. As we know, they were killed. And Aaron also, when he saw that, and he said, better to make an Egel, as the Gemara says in the beginning of Sanhedrin. Since they didn't ask, that was the Iker and the Shorish of the Chet HaEgel. Not asking their leaders. And if we look back now in history, turning the page, says the Bear Yosef, Maybe that at root was Mechiris Yosef also. They were jealous. They were upset. Yosef is taking advantage of them. Yosef maybe is abusing them in their minds. Why didn't they ask their father? Why didn't they ask their grandfather? 
He was still alive at the time. Right? There were people to ask. Shame! Whoever was alive then. There were other great people there. Don't make your own decisions. This is what Yosef is Chayim Misa. Yosef deserves to be sold. Explain the Mepharshim. Line 21. The Rishonim discussed. Maybe they deemed him a Rodev, for Moser, whatever the case may be. But they didn't. And not only didn't they ask, then they tried to cover up their actions. As if they knew that what they did wasn't exactly, no, might not have been perfect or correct. To tell their father, Taraf, Taraf, Yosef, that was the root chait, and in this regard, it's the same exact root of problem. Mechiris Yosef and Chet Egel, they both thought one could argue, L'Shem Shamayim. They were both acting with great kavanas. What do you mean? Yosef is Chayim Misa. And the Chet Egel, we need this. Moshe died, and we need to make something to get close to Hashem. L'Shem Shamayim. We can't make L'Shem Shamayim decisions about religious actions unless we have religious acquiescence and agreement and guidance and leadership. And that's why when we come to the Mishkan, which is a kapara for Cheta Egel, which the root of Cheta Egel, as we just saw, is Mechiris Yosef. We call the Zikne Yisrael to stand there. The Zikne Yisrael are to be there because this is the message of life. The message is to follow what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, to follow the Shulchan Aruch, to follow what our Rebbeim tell us. The Siba the Chet was not listening. Right now, when, you, when they're trying to bring Kapar for the Egel, the root of Mechiris Yosef is Choser V'neyur. Aaron doesn't have to worry about the earlier time, as we'll see. Because he was the leader. And now, they have to bring a kapara for the Egel, they have to bring a kapara for Yosef as well. The same chait. But Aaron HaKohen didn't do anything by the Egel. He was muchrach by the Am. Right? So the carbon for him, top left, Yes, he was involved in the Egel, but it wasn't at root because it was a similar type of chait to Mechiris Yosef. And therefore, that's the Tchila and that's the Sof. And that's what also Rabbi Akiva Dafka Darshins on this Pasik. B'nai Yisrael, just like a bird can function and survive without wings, so too we can't function without our leaders. Lo Alman Yisrael Hashem in every generation, make sure there are leaders. There are Gdole Yisrael in every generation. And as we know, Yiftach Badarakishmul Badaro, right? It's not our job to say, oh, you know, we don't have any Rukhiv Eger. We don't have any Rambam. No, we have our leaders. And Akashbarhu deems and puts leaders that are appropriate. For every generation in that generation. And that's Rabbi Kiva Darshan's Rabbi Kiva Nimshul Yisrael Oof. Ma Oof Hazena Parech Belo Knafayim Kach Yisrael Enam Yechol Masos Dover Chuz Mizek Nehem Tafka Here Kach Yisrael. When we want to go up, Eif Shalem Lasig Lasos Dover. It's only Dafka Al Yidei Ziknehem. That's how the parsha starts, making sure that we have the proper perspective in terms of our in terms of our leaders. Okay, moving right along, Parak Yud. Pasuk Vav, tragedy strikes on the happiest day, Aaron Cohen finally, right, with this background also. One can think about Aaron Cohen. Aaron Cohen, since the Chet Egel, he probably goes to sleep every night having, having nightmares. What's going to be? What's going to be? Mishkan, is it going to work? Is it going to work? And finally, the eighth day, that eighth day, finally, he's able to bring the Karbonos. Finally, he's Mechupar. Finally, he can move on with his life. And he loses his two sons on that day. Aaron Cohen having the challenges. Unbelievable. Another 
And now I understand what Hashem said The loudest silence may be in all of Tanakh. Deafening silence. Moshe calls to the to the uh Mishael and El Safan, the cousins, Vayomarlehem, go, Suasachem, take them out, Vayikubaisumbukutonosam, and then Moshe turns to our Aaron, Elazar and Isamar, the Avelim. Moshe turns to them and says, No Avelos. Rashechem al Tifro, Uvigdechem lo Sifro Muvalosamusu. No no nihuge Avelos. Right? No tearing your clothing, not growing out your hair, Viachem Kobesi Stral Yifkuasasrefa, but not you. Not you. Cesar of Salvechik, in an unbelievable formulation of what is demanded of Aaron and his sons here. Cesar of Salvechik in source number four. The inalienable right to which every parent is entitled of mourning the death of a child was denied to Aaron and his sons. The natural and needed, so to speak, reaction of a relative, and especially of a parent, Rahman al-Islam is to mourn. And Aaron was not allowed to mourn. Why? Because the priests constituted a community of the anointed who were consecrated exclusively to the service of Hashem. What does that mean? First and foremost in life. First and foremost in life, we, were, we are Avde Hashem. We are servants and we are committed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is our first priority. Yes, we're committed to our families and our spouses and our parents and our children. We're committed to everybody. But first and foremost, we are committed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. God lays unrestricted claim not to a part, but to the whole of human personality. Existence in toto in its external and inward manifestations are consecrated to God. Aaron belonged to no one, not even to himself, only to Hashem. He was not even free to give himself over to the grief. Precipitated by the loss of his two sons, he had no private world of his own. Even the heart of Aharon was divine property. That's the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol is extreme. There's only one Kohen Gadol in the generation. Just like we might say there was only one Moshe Rabbeinu in history. Moshe Rabbeinu was, was huktash, so to speak. He even had to leave his family. But Aaron Akoin, the Kohen Gadol always has. He's not allowed to become Tameh for any of his seven relatives, except Mes Mitzvah. But Aaron Akoin was denied Avelos. What does that mean to us? Because his first commitment, and what we have to shape our personalities, is to being Evde Hashem. Most of the time, 99% of the time, to And it fits in, and it's beautiful and gorgeous, and goes with but sometimes the Torah makes demands of us that seem to be superhuman. And we have to try. It does not mean that we will always succeed. But we have to try. What does all this mean in psychological terms? God wanted Aaron to disown the strongest emotion in man, the love for a child. Is it possible? As far as modern man is concerned, I would not dare answer. With respect to biblical man, we read that Aaron acted in accord with the divine instruction. He withdrew. He withdrew from being a father. This moment of recoil is tantamount to self-denial. He overcame. He didn't say anything. Vayidom Aaron. Those two words say it all. But then he explains, Rav Salvejic says, it's not only Aaron Akoin. In an extreme way, it's all of us. All of Am Yisrael are part of, of what he calls the covenantal community. Once man enters the service of God, be it as a high priest or an ordinary humble person, his commitment is not partial. It is total. He's subject to the divine call for total inner withdrawal. And he gives an example, the example that the Rav Salvecha gives many times in his writings, um, and that is Avelus and Simchas Yantif. Avelus and Simchas Yantif. Two areas of halacha that, on the surface, are beautiful and wonderful and mutually exclusive. Simchas Yantif is in not just actions of meat and wine and, and making everybody happy. It's an inner feeling of connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of Simcha, of being happy, of feeling fulfilled. Avelis is exactly the opposite. Avelis is a feeling of distance. 
Avelis is a feeling of missing, of, of disconnect, of, of frustration, of helplessness. Those are all the opposite of simcha. If somebody's not in control of the situation, they can't be the simcha. They feel helpless. Right? That's why, that's why when they feel distant, just parenthetically, it's Shloshim Yom Lofnechag, so we can mention this. That is why at a shiva we say Hamakom Yenachem Eschem. Hamakom is only used in two places. Hamakom Yenachem and Enachenu. Hamakom Yerachem. So Rabbi Schwab and a couple of other Achronim point out, or Salvechik also, in one place, Hamakom is always used when somebody feels distance from God. When somebody feels distant, we say Hamakom Hashem, who is Mekomo Shal Olam, Hashem is close to you, though you feel distant. An Avel feels distant. Somebody who's in Tsaris, Achenu Kabeis Yisrael, Nesudim Basar Vashivya, Hamakom. In the Haggadah, we say Baruch Hamakom as an introduction to the Arba Banim. No matter where a child is, Hashem is close to you. Hamakom. We have to use that name. But on the surface, Simchas Yantif and Avelus are, cannot coexist. So as long as they don't overlap, so it's not a problem. Somebody's sitting Shiva Rachman Aleslan and there's Simchas Yantif. But visualize 31, the following concrete situation. Somebody buries their dead on Erev Yantif. He returns home from the graveyard where he has left part of himself, where he has witnessed the mockery of human existence. He is in a mood to question the validity of our entire axiological universe. The house is empty, dreary. Every piece of furniture reminds the mourner of the beloved person he has buried. And what does the halacha say to the lonely mourner? Whispering to him, rise from your mourning, cast the ashes from your head, change your clothes, light the festive candles, recite over a cup of wine the Kiddush. Join the jubilating community and celebrate the holiday as if nothing has happened. As if the beloved person whose death you grieve were with you. This is an amazing line. The halacha, which at times could be very tender, understanding, and accommodating, may on other occasions act like a disciplinarian demanding obedience. Halacha is created by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The halacha suggests to man, broken in body and spirit, carrying the burden of an absurd existence, he changes mood that he cast off his grief and chews joy. And again, the Rav explain, uh, repeats the question, is such a, such a metamorphosis of the state of mind of an individual possible? He writes, I know of people who attempted to perform it. So it's not for us to succeed, but it's for us to try. And the model that we have is Vayidom Aharon. In an extreme way, he had to accept and model his behavior and he succeeded. Vayidom Aharon. So we are all Vene Aharon, Oif Shalom, Verodev Shalom, but this is what Rav Salvechik teaches us about his reaction. Okay, that is a intense thought. Moving right along, right after this parsha, this section, we know that Aaron Cohen, Chazal say Bischus, his reaction, is zoche to a special area of Tzivui that he gets. Vaydaber Hashem el Aharon lemar. Pasaches, yain v'shecher al teisht, no wine. Atov v'nechei itach b'vachem alo amoe v'lo samusu. No wine when you go do the avoda. That's why one of the opinions in Chazal of what Nadav Aviyu did wrong was that they drank wine going into the Beis HaMikdash. So special, special tzivui. If you look at the medrash on this pasuk quoted in the beginning of source number five, medrash umaha yescharo shavayidam aron shenis yachid elavadibur as we just said v'nomar lo parsha shtuya yayin shenomar v'idabar shem al aron lemar hada hu dechsev that's said by Chazal but then the medrash adds on one more pasuk this is exactly what is meant pikude Hashem yisharim misam chelev. Hashem's mitzvah is glad in the heart. Ask the Ksav Sofer, Fitzarich, Biur. What exactly is the connection of that Pusik to this Medrash? Aaron Cohen, Schar for keeping silence. He gets Stuyayai in the Parsha of not drinking when doing the Avodah. And that's exactly what is meant by Pikudi Hashem Yishar, Mesamchelev. What is the connection between that Pusik and the rest of the Medrash? Question. 
Furthermore, says the Ksav Sofer, we know Chazal say that they were nichnas b'shuya yain, and the Ramban explains. He quotes it, line four. Hagam even though they weren't mitsuve on shuya yain yet, so why would they have been killed? They just got the sibli now. They should have known. They should have figured it out. Right, but how is it? How is it alluded to in the Psukim Eizara? And how did they do that? So explains the Ksav Sofer Vyesh Lomar. They really, as many explained, they were Lashem Shemayim. What did they feel? You could only survive Kodesh Baruch out of Simcha. So a little bit of wine could help the Simcha. So we'll drink a little bit of wine before going into the base of, into the Kodesh Kadashim, into the Heichal. They felt they weren't happy enough. And they wanted to get a little happy. To quote Kiddush Levana. They wanted to be besimcha. So therefore they took a drink. What was their chait? Avo be'emes ein zenachon. Ki ha-mitzvah ba'atzma hitesamach levavenosh. We have to get mitzvah internally. We shouldn't need external stimuli outside of the mitzvah. The sukkah, the lulav, the shofar, the megillah should itself give us tremendous simcha. That's ultimate simcha. B'nai Aaron made a mistake. They thought we needed external stimuli. They wanted to awaken and light up their heart. That was the Eish Zara that they brought. But they were wrong. And that's why the Tzivli comes afterwards, there's an Isra of Shtu Yeyayin. But what does the Medrash say? Pikute Hashem Yishara Mesam Because mitzvahs bring the Simcha. You don't need wine. It's not about external stimuli to be able to make us happy. There is place for that, right? We know, what is Simchas Yantif? Simchas Yantif. Meat, wine, clothing, candy for the kids. Right, there is external stimuli for Simcha Yantif. That's a different type of Simcha. Simcha Shel Mitzvah is not Simcha Yantif. Simcha Yantif is Gashmi. There are many types of Simcha that we have. There's Simcha Chasen Vekala, there's Simcha Beis HaShoeva, there's Simcha Yantif, there's Simcha Purim, there's Simcha Shel Mitzvah. There are many types of Simcha that we have. The Ramam talks about it, some of it, some of them. In the end of Hilchas Lulav. But the natural simcha is a simcha shal mitzvah. Pikud Hashem Misharim, Misam Chelev. Kilotrichem Lazesh, a mitzvah titain simcha belibo vlev banav. Vyasi Shaper Divri, a medrish, and that's the medrish, the pasik. Vahu, Nachon, the Ksav Sofer says, that's a good thought that we should take with us. Okay, so after this discussion, there's a conversation. That is very unclear. The Gemara in Zvachim has a whole daf trying to figure out what exactly is the conversation between Aaron and Moshe. There was some type of mistake made with one of the Karbanos and Aaron, at the end of the day, stands up to Moshe, so to speak, explains himself, and Moshe accepts. Moshe Rabbeinu. Ha'anav mikal adam, but the one that brought the Torah down. He is bested by his older brother in terms of the halacha, that they burned, the Seir Rosh Chodesh, okay, Seir Nachshon, exactly which carbon was burned, but without getting into the details, Aaron says to Moshe finally, in Pasuk Yutes, What Hashem wanted me to have eaten, Vayishma Moshe Vayitav Be'enav. Moshe hears, and it's good. Rashi. Vaita Be'enav, much ink has been spilled over this Rashi. Hoda Vilobosh Lomar Loshamati. He admitted and was not embarrassed to say, I did not hear. Vayishma Moshe. Moshe heard, meaning 
he hadn't heard beforehand. He said, oh, lo shamati. Says, if you look in the Gemara, but in some Rashis, it has it. Really, I didn't read the full sentence. That's the full version of the Gemara that Rashi, some of the Rashis only have part of it. What Rashi is really saying is that he didn't say, not that he wasn't embarrassed to say I didn't hear about it. He said I didn't know. He said, oh, I forgot. Shamati v'shachachti. There's a difference between, oh, I never knew that. That's new. God never told me. Or, oh, I knew, I forgot. That, that hurts much more. If we knew something and, and we don't remember it. The Maharal on Rashi points out that difference. Pirish, Shaloya Bosh Sheyiya Omer Lo Shamati, Elohodava Omer Shamati Vishachti, Vikenisa, that's what the Gemara says, and Zvachim and Dafkuf Aleph. Vein Lafarish Hodav Lo Bosh Lomar Lo Shamati. To my Rabusa. Don't end the phrase that I started off by saying. God, he wasn't embarrassed to say I didn't hear. To my Rabusa, what's the Kiddish? To my Yomar, the Akashemis who Shaloshama. What would be the godless of saying, Oh, Lo Shamati? Okay, he never knew it, so he never knew it. If he says, I knew and I forgot, that's the godless of Moshe. He could have said, I never heard. And then he wouldn't be changing the halacha. But he didn't say that. He says, you know what? I, I didn't remember. I didn't remember. That's Moshe Rabbeinu, and that was his godless. Explains the Rav Pincus here in the Tefer Shimshon. Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching us here the Midah of Mode al Ha'emes. One of the Dvaram Shatorah nicknames by him, Mode al Ha'emes. When I hear the truth, I don't stick to my guns if I realize that I'm wrong, but I admit to the truth. HaTorah Ba'akana Lamdeinu as Midah's Mode al Ha'emes. She is Gal Seitzel Moshe Rabbeinu. Be'is Avikuach. Ube'emes! We all make mistakes. We are all sometimes wrong. Nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. And if any of us are thinking, well, I don't make so many, but no, let's, let's all admit we all make mistakes in all different areas of our life. In what, how we talk, in our relationships, and uh, we all make mistakes. And it's hard. It's hard to admit that we're wrong. Especially if it's somebody very close to us that tells us that we're wrong. Hashem put a mida in each of us, and that is nobody's perfect. That's there were four people that were perfect, but there are no more since then. And the greater a person is, the harder it is for him to admit his mistakes, because he's so great. If I'm so great, I don't make too many mistakes. The gallus of a person is that not that he doesn't make mistakes. A great person admits his mistakes. Not that he doesn't make mistakes. David HaMelech made mistakes. What makes David HaMelech one of the Ushbizin, what makes him so amazing is that he admitted and he did shuva. That was the gallus of Yehuda, right? His ancestor, that was the godless of David. That was the difficulty of Shaul HaMelech. We read about it a couple weeks ago in the Haftorah. But that was the godless of David and Yehuda. Especially if I get angry. And then later on it comes out that I was wrong. Right? It happens often. Now sometimes we're waiting and there was a misunderstanding. We think that we, we were missing a part of the story. And then after it was like, oh, I can't believe I, I, I can't believe I got upset at him. I didn't realize that. And I thought this, I thought that. Rapika said it's like you buy a new car. Check the brakes. The fancier the car, the harder it is to stop. The faster it goes. The fancier the person. The greater the person, you better check your brakes. Because, you know, it's I'm going faster. And if I'm going faster, I'm higher. So I need breaks. I have such amazing abilities 
Right, this, it's sometimes, sometimes there are people, we should look at ourselves, but sometimes there are people that we meet that have difficulty. Right, there's a famous book out there, I think. Everything I needed to know in life I learned in kindergarten. Right, so one of the messages that we learn in kindergarten is when you're wrong, admit that you're wrong and say I'm sorry. And how hard it is to go through life and sometimes we meet people, we ourselves, we didn't learn it, you know, how we should have learned it, you know, when we were younger. But it's hard. But there's nobody greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu is Modala Emes. Velobo Shlomar. Velobo Shlomar. Right, let's say our spouse asks us to do something. And we forgot. So do we say that we forgot? Or do we say, I, I was going to do it, and then this came up, and then that came up. Just say, I forgot. We can move on much, much faster. If I just, oh, I'm, I, I was wrong. I did it, I was wrong, Okay. How could I, what should I do now? Instead of making all the excuses. Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? Lo bosh lo mar lo shamati, ala amar shamati, vishachati. That was the godless emotion. Okay. Moving right along to the world of Kashrus. The world of Kashrus. Vaydaber Hashem al Moshe ve'il Aron le'mor alehem. Tell b'nei Yisrael, zo sachai asher tochlu, mikol abahim asher la'aretz. Split hooves and chewing the cud. The gamal, the shafan, the arneves, the chazir, fish, grasshoppers. We have it all. We have it all. Those who learned dafyomi, mesecha school in a couple of weeks ago, in all the, um, got into the details of all of these, all of these psukim. So Rabbi Steinzaltz in the Chai Olam, in source number nine, discusses throughout the ages, people have tried to come up with logical explanations of keeping kosher. Of kashrus throughout the ages, it's healthier. It's it's a great diet. It's um it's good for this. It's good for that. And this is not a new question. And there are many areas of halacha that people try try to come up with different um different ideas and different explanations. Right, many, many went through and did nisyonos and did experiments, v'chulu. Just like, Many try to explain exactly how it is a certain type of disease, v'chulu. Says Rabbi Steinsaltz. Even before, let me say a question that he answers at the end, let me just mention the question now. Through this parsha and through next parsha. We have the words Tame and Tahar that appear often. Pashtas, Tame and Tahar always mean what we would translate as pure and impure. Person's Tame, a person's Tame, this is Tame, this is Tahar, Avos Atuma. So that's how it's not used. But there's another way that it's used in our Parsha. What we call kosher and not kosher. Kosher is called Tahar. Tame, non-kosher animals are called Tame. Is there a connection between those two items? Kosher, not kosher. Tame, tahar. The words that the Torah uses for pure, impure, kosher, not kosher are the same. Is that just a, you know, it has two different meanings. Says Rabbi Steinsaltz, the Torah wouldn't be so confusing to us. Purposely ambiguous is a better suggestion. Says Rabbi Steinsaltz. Both on clearly on the right. Chiputz hatzdakos lemitzvos amanashe intiena both on mahuti davar shuasu letoelas aguf besova shol davar nisayon eker. Ein akavanasha davar kazehu behakrach murfach meikari. Says any type of explanation for physical, you know, health, healthful, healthy, it's going to end. Yes, you might be able to explain some, but ultimately, ultimately, it's not getting to the root of the mitzvah. There are some areas of law, and maybe every area of law, and certain areas of law are symptomatic of all. Yeah, we can learn some ideas that we can learn from it, but nothing ever inherently explains the mitzvah. and gets to the root of the mitzvah. And says Rabbi Steinsaltz, just like Tumah and Tahara have no, have zero parallel in reality, right? Everybody would agree to that. There's no explanation 
of Tumah and Tara in the physical world. It's not physical concepts. That's why the Torah uses the same words to teach us that it's the same for Kashrus. Tumah and Tahar. Tumah and Tahar do not have a rational explanation. Kosher and not kosher do not have a rational explanation. You want to look and focus and search and try to come up with nice ideas? You can, but it's never going to explain everything. And ultimately, it is, um, it could be beneficial, but it could also be a, um, exercise in futility. Top left. And the Balechayim, the Shratzim at the end. What's the message? The message he says towards the end, skipping down a little bit, is to teach us that one is Megale on the other. One is Megale on the other. Hamusagim, Tame Vitar, they mean distant. Tame means distant. Stay away from these animals, stay away from this impurity. And the opposite. And the Torah was given often. Let's think about it this way. We try to explain all mitzvahs, but sometimes, right, somebody was talking to me to this week about karbanos. As much as we analyze karbanos and all the details, and we know zvachim and kachim and menachas, there are some details of karbanos that we can't figure out exactly what the, what the messages are. We can't. But that's okay. Because the last time we were at a doctor, and the doctor gave us medicine, did we try to ask and figure out, how does this medicine work? How does it go to my body? Which parts of the body does it affect? How, what exactly in the ingredient? No, we trust the doctor. And the doctor says, take the medicine and it's good for you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us 613 medicines, so to speak. And that's how we try. Okay, we could do some research, try to figure it out, but ultimately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows. Hashem is the one that was mitzavah. And therefore, especially in an area of Kashrus, or an area like Paraduma, or the Chukim for sure, but also as we get into the Mishpatim, you know, both of them have element, and we have to make sure that we keep that in mind. Just one other Kashrus idea before we, uh, we end with two, uh, fascinating diukim. Rev, Zilberstein in the Chashuke Chemed discusses one of the birds. Yud Aleph Yud Ches. Here the Torah has a list of non-kosher birds. Right? Bata Ya'ana, the ostrich, Daya, Aya, Ko, Shalach, Yanshuf, Tinshavis, Kos, Racham. Racham. Yud Aleph Yud Zayim, one of the animals is the Racham. The Gemara says in Mesechas Chulin, when you see a Racham, that means Rachamim is coming to the world, it's gonna rain. That's what the Gemara says. If you see a Racham, then Rachmanus is coming to the world and it's going to the rain. That's the Gemara in Chulin on Daf Samach Gimel. I didn't give it to you. That's the Gemara in Chulin on Daf Samach Gimel Amid Aleph. The Gemara tells a story about a certain type of Racham that was, that was, um, you know, um, screaming and coming. Kivin Shabar Racham Bo Rachamim Lolam. Amr Abi Varabayav Hu Diyasva Midi Vavit Shrakrak. As long as it's sitting, it's standing on something and, and, uh, making its noise. The Gemiri, and we have a Misara, the Yazava Ara, Vishara, Kasa Mashiach. If it ever makes that sound when it's on the ground, ah, oh, Mashiach's gonna come. And the Gemara says, ah, one time it was on the ground and it made the sound, ah, oh, that was a lying Racham, the Gemara says. That's interesting. It could be a lying Racham. But, uh, anyway, so the Chashuk Yechemen had the following case. Ruvain, Hisbin, it sounds like somewhat of a humorous question, but it's here. And we'll uh, give it here. Ruvain was making a bar mitzvah for a for his um, for his son, and he got a whole hall. And the sukkah area was a beautiful area. They set up in the sukkah, and he made a tnai that if it rains, the bal ha'ulam has to make sure there's a roof. There's a roof on the sukkah, or do it inside, so we don't have the food to get ruined. The the uh, the, the guests won't have to go out of the sukkah. Okay, the day of the bar mitzvah, it was boiling hot. And didn't seem like it was going to rain, even though the meteorologist said there's a good chance that it could rain. Either way, the Baal Ulam set up outside, and guess what? It poured, and the food was ruined. The chulu. So the renter agrees that mitzad mezag avir He didn't think it looked like rain, and he was going to be mevater to the Baal Ulam. I don't think this ever happened, but it's an interesting question. 
But he says, but you know what happened today? There was a racham flying around. So you should have known that it was going to rain. Because there was a racham, and a racham means rain. You should have known. So he answers. So the answer probably most postcom would say, what are you talking about? We don't know who the Racham is now. But what if we knew what the Racham was? And Bisman Hazeh, who knows that these signs are still? Okay. But he has it from a different perspective. He says, yeah, Racham is, a, is Rachmanis. It's going to rain. But it's Sukkis. But it's Sukkis. Rain on Sukkis is not such a simon of Rachamim. Rain on Sukkis is a simon Klala. Machlokas Rishonim, is that only the first night? Is that the rest of Sukkis? But rain on Sukkis, even with a racham comes, so maybe it's not such a sim in bracha. And therefore, he says at the end, whenever you see a racham, that's a simon for racham, and there's going to be rain. That's not marangashamim, because it's not, it's not a sim in bracha. And therefore, maybe the bala sukkah could say, I thought that this racham was, was a badayish, like the other racham in the Gemara, and therefore, I didn't have to worry about it. Okay, that's the halachic part of our segment of our shir today. Let's get back to the last two thoughts. Last two thoughts are just examples of of great achronim of our contemporary over the past 150 years uh, that saw a tiny little diukim in the t- in the in the text and were able to learn messages from tiny little diukim. If you look in the List at the beginning of the kosher and the non-kosher animals. We know that the Torah lists off a number of animals. The Torah says, don't eat a camel, don't eat a shafan, don't eat an arnevet, and don't eat a chazir. Those are the four. Pretty parallel psukim, but not exactly parallel. It says, don't eat the gamal. Why? Malagerahu ufarsa'inenumafris. Don't eat the shafan. Malagerahu ufarsa. Lo yafris. Don't eat our nevet ufarsa lo hifrisa. Why the different words? Find the nevet is nekeva. But why is one mafris and one yafris? Ask of Chaim Kinevsky in source number twelve. By the gamal it says ufarsa inen mafris lashon hoved the present shafan it says ufarsa lo yafris lashon asid the arnevet hifrisa lashon Avar. Why is one past, one present, and one future? The Malbim has a long piece on this, which he quotes. He says, look at the Medrash. The Medrash here, and at the end of the Parsha says, each of these animals reflect another one of the Golios that we were in. The Gamal is Bavel. Kimal Agera Shegarura Malchus Achareha. Shafan Zumadai. Kimal Agerahu Shegarura Malchus Achareha. The Arneves Zuyavan. Fine. Chazir Ze'edom. Says the... That's the Medrash. So Chaim Kedievsky says, maybe the Balea Medrash got it from this tiny little diak in the Pesukim. He named Malchus Bavel or Malcha Raklashaita. Bavel was only a world power for that moment in time. They became powerful and they were gone. Just for those couple hundred years. Like Yishayo says, Hain Eretz Kasdim Zeha'am Lohaya Ashur Yastelitziam Ashur was the original power beforehand. They didn't exist. Quotes the Gemara in Baal Basra. The says they were totally destroyed. And in Yermio. And therefore it says, Hove, at that moment, at that, Hove is like a present, it's for a momentary existence. Malchus Yavan is very, very ancient. Right? We have Yavan and Parshas Noach. Yavan is ancient. But once it was done, it was gone. It's done. That's why it's Lashon Ovar. It was for a while, but it's no longer. It continues till the future. So maybe the past, present, and future, the little Ramazim in the Pasik allude to all the different Golios that we went through, are going through, 
and will go through. And another example, we'll end off with the Meshachachma. The Meshachachma, towards the end of the parsha, a halacha, a detail again, but the godless of the Meshachachma. Yud Aleph Mem. The Pazak tells us that one is not allowed to eat Nevela, an animal that died without getting shechted. Meaning, not only is it usher to eat, it makes us tame. A nevela, a dead, uh, an animal that was not shechted, we have, makes us tame. Ask the Meshachachma. What does v'ha'ochel sound like? Says the Meshachachma. Achilas nevela is ha'holi b'isr. You're not allowed to eat nevela. And let's say somebody is a Navarian and he's eating Nevela, he's not going to ask whether something is, if it's Tame or Tahar. V'ha'ochal sounds like he's eating it with authority. What's V'im? It should be V'im. Like if you do this Avera, then it makes you Tame. If you do this, then you're punished. Why V'ha'ochal? Says the Meshachachma, so maybe it's alluding to a halacha and teaching you a chiddush. The Meshachachma often finds dinim in Shas and in the Gemara and puts them into Psukim where Chazal didn't even put them into Psukim. The Alkar Mairi Ba'ochel Beheter. Sakana. The Ha'ochel, one who eats. One who eats. Sounds like you're a laddie. Yeah. What if you're a Cholish Yishbo Sakana? Somebody's life's in danger. They're a laddie in Avela. So one might think, says the Meshachachma, if the Anvela has a heterachila, maybe also it doesn't make you tame. Maybe those two things go hand in hand. Omar, that's the Chiddush of the Pasik. Shalotomar, Shemashagazra Hatora Tuma Alhanavela, he begather Vizahiri Shalyovalachla. The Tuma isn't just a syug de Araisa. It'll make you tame, so don't eat it. Here's an example where you're allowed to eat it. And it still will make you tameh. One might have thought that. That's why it says, One who eats it, even beheter, still yechabes begadav. Little diyukim. Tiny little diyukim in the Torah, but with a divine author, there's no such thing as a diyuk that's not specific and not li'ikuva. Just to end with, uh, maybe just to remind the... Uh, Mind our olam, but at the thought we mentioned a number of years ago, it's Parshas Parah this week. A number of years ago we mentioned that the Medrash says, um, Chukos HaPara and Chukos HaPesach. There's a Pasuk in Tehillim, I think, that refers to Chukim, Laman Lo Evosh, and the Medrash says, Chukos HaPara, Chukos HaPesach. The laws of Parah Duma, the laws of Karban Pesach. The message is, what's the connection between Para and Pesach? This time of year, you could ask the question, why is Para Aduma, Parshas Para, the next step, really, up till now was like Purim. It's all connected, but like Shkalim got us ready for Purim. Now Para is getting us ready for Chodesh and Pesach. What's the connection between Para Aduma and Pesach? So Rav Asher Weiss writes in one of his Ma'amarim that Para Aduma and Pesach are really opposites. Pesach is all about questions. The whole night is about questions. Manashtana, and the whole night is formulated, as we know, in question and answer form. The four questions of the four sons, uh, Pesach, right? Ma, ma what, is, what is each one? Al Shuma, Al Shuma. Everything is questions. Paradum is no questions. Paradum is the ultimate chok. Amarti mimani. Sometimes in life, there are times to ask questions, and sometimes in life, there are times not to ask questions. And, you know, we have to recognize when it is and when it's not. And that is something that we take with us throughout our lives, and that's how we do the extreme. We have paraduma, no questions, getting ready for the opposite, Pesach, where there are questions. We should all always be zochet to know when are questions appropriate and when are questions not appropriate. Okay, we'll stop here, and we will, Bez Hashem, continue.